Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. My name is Ryan Broderick, and I am safely on the other side of a computer screen from my co-host Luke. Hello, Luke. Hi, I'm Luke. I'm the other co-host, and yeah, God, it's two, doing two podcasts in a row. IRL. Actually, no, it's because it's more than that because we did a podcast IRL, we did a live show IRL, and then we did another podcast that was three separate records IRL. Yeah. So it's technically five podcasts. I don't know about that, but I do know that that was the most time that you and I have spent IRL together in many years, and it was exhausting. It was. Yeah, I'm glad that we're back in in 2D space. Let's get to the show. Welcome to the Content Minds. This week, we are talking about the ongoing implosion of the tech world. Specifically, we'll be talking more about Elon Musk with regards to his like constant purging of employees, the possibility that paid Twitter verification might be coming back now. We're also going to be talking about a question that is really on my mind, actually, which is about... Uh, the UK Treasury Office opening its own Discord server. And we're also going to be talking about Luke's uh, close personal friend and an investor that Luke has been working with. His name is Sam Bankman-Fried. Is that right, Luke? It's, yeah, uh, we, we, uh, obviously that's where we put most of the podcast money. Um, that's right. And we're going uh, gonna to live on the show investigate like how that's going and how that investment's paid out for us. Yeah, we're going to call Sam up and we're going to see how our investment in FTX has been doing. I'm really excited. I have not been paying attention to this, so I'm sure it's great to kick things off. As always, hey Luke, how was the internet this week? And don't say febrile. <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's febrile times like five. Like, I don't know. Though, actually, like a lot of people have been tweeting like the exact feeling of it. And uh, someone said that it, Twitter now feels like when you say bye to a friend and then you still have to walk with them for like three blocks going in the same direction uh, and then you like have to take a phone call or something to just get out of the awkwardness of it or it's someone said today that it was like your husband you hate yep. has announced they only have 10 days to live and now it's day 11 and you are approaching them with a pillow every time every time I friend someone on Twitter it feels like when the teacher has assigned homework within the last month before summer vacation. Yeah. And I, I, I literally today, I like followed someone on Twitter and I was like, this doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't going to go anywhere. I don't know why I'm doing this. When this first started, I think we talked about it and I was like, oh, it'll be like months. Like this will just like fall apart in months. I'm now thinking in a matter of days, if not hours. And I'm, I'm essentially every morning I wake up, I'm like, it's still here. All right. Okay. But you also said this last week, you said it was like, oh, it's a matter of hours. And it turns out it's not been a matter of hours. I don't know. It's kind of, what's the phrase about like going bankrupt? You know, you go bankrupt very, very slowly and then very, very fast. Yeah. I feel like it's sort of like that. This is going to be very, very long and then it's going to happen overnight. Yeah, I agree. Elon Musk is not only taking down Twitter with him, he's taking down uh, an entire sort of ethos. Yeah. Do you want to explain your theory about like the way that you need brands to keep the meme ecosystem system fresh? The Harambe cycle. I'd yes. be happy to talk about my theory called the Harambe cycle. So let's do it. Essentially, memes have to die. 
We don't like it when they die, but they have to die. Uh, because if they don't, they turn into something like Pepe the Frog. They become a hate symbol. They spin out of control. They get really annoying. And they and they, eh, they I would almost argue they become like cancerous cells. They just like they don't stop. One really easy way to kill a meme is to monetize it. So uh, what what you can do is you can you know take a brand account, have them make something in regard to the meme, and then no one wants to touch the meme anymore because it's not cool. Yeah. A, the reason I call this the Harambe cycle is that. Harambe was a meme that could never be monetized because it's about the death of a gorilla. R.I.P. Harambe. So when that happened, it was like a meme and it was largely a meme because it was funny that it was so like dark, right? And so you can't, like Wendy's can't be like R.I.P. Harambe. Also though, six years later, I think that they could. Like I feel like the Duolingo TikTok would do a thing about Harambe now. But they still haven't, Luke. But if and a similar thing happened, they could do it. But, but this is the thing. No, Still, no one has tried to monetize Harambe's death. And because of that, there's all kinds of arguments. And there have been all kinds of arguments ever since about Harambe. And if it's like people are using it to be racist or not, or if it's, you know, if it's been radicalized, all this stupid nonsense, which wouldn't matter if, you know, IHOP was like, here's the Harambe Grand Slam or whatever. <laughs> uh, and then we could all just move on. And so to bring it back to your point, Elon Musk is a fantastic example of this. And what's super awesome is it's it's almost it's almost like a Greek tragedy, you know? It's a man who craves attention and 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 loves memes so much. And yet if he touches one, it dies. It's like yeah. that kid in that book who all of the water he touches turns to chocolate milk. Do you remember this? I feel like I should point out that this entire thing is based on, on Midas. Yeah, the Midas. Yeah, that's, that's it's it. like an ancient Greek myth. <laughs> or there's one book that's based on the ancient Greek myth. Yeah, no, it's Midas. <laughs> it's, it's where he, everything he touched turns to gold and he kills his wife, he kills his son by turning to gold. It's a whole thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's awesome. It's super awesome that Elon Musk is like... He was like that little boy that turns everything into chocolate and he's now sick of eating chocolate. It's super funny. Yeah. I mean, it has the energy of a... <laughs> Did you guys have supply teachers? You wouldn't have called them that, but like the teacher who like arrives in your school for like one day and then can't control the class because... Like, no, the Substitute teachers. Substitute teachers. Right. Okay, we had I feel like I learn a new weird thing about your country like every six months. I mean, it's basically morning. the same thing. It's fine. A supply teacher. It sounds like they're in like a closet somewhere and you like come take them out to like help with people. But it's it's like having the not cool but like vaguely fun PE teacher who's like, Yeah, sure, we just play games and stuff and it's all fine. But then it turns out a teacher's off and they're gonna teach like geography. And they come and teach geography and they try and do the same thing and suddenly they suck because now you're sitting in a classroom and not running around. Like it's got that exact like the energy of just, oh, you thought you were cool. No, 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 no. We we thought you were funny and interesting when you were not in charge now you're in charge we hate you yeah yeah i think that's right and i think that one really nice side effect of all of this is that the myth that elon musk has been building for himself ever since essentially iron man 2 but largely after 2016 when he was asked about whether we live in a simulation or not he's been this kind of guy you know you still see people on twitter i'm being bombarded with him right now because i've been really aggressive about him and all of his stands are like he's the smartest man in the whole world what are you talking about i would die in a flaming tesla to help him get to the moon yada 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 like that myth is imploding in front of our very eyes and that is 
awesome. <laughs> I mean, I also really like that he's a man who his entire thing is that he wants to advance humanity. Like that's it. He wants to save humanity. He wants to produce the a maximum amount of good for humanity that he can. He says that. Sure. Yeah. And he thinks that humanity needs to go to Mars, which I, I don't know, I kind of maybe agree with. I don't know. Sure. That seems like a thing we should probably do. But to do that, we need to like deal with the car situation and like the climate change on our own planet to, you know, give us a little bit of more of a runway to get to Mars. Um, but to do that, we also need to spend a lot of time on Twitter, <laughs> which is it's extremely relatable. Yeah, it, it is almost in a way an evolution of the meme magic myth. I think this idea that like Trump followers had a couple years ago where they could use content to create and change reality. We saw this with GameStop too. This idea yeah. that if you post hard enough, you can alter the world around you. And it does really feel like Elon Musk, who's also, I should point out, talking about taking hallucinogenic drugs on Twitter like all week, seems to really think that. He seems to really think that like I can just post hard enough to get us to Mars. All right. I feel like we need to come back to Twitter because there's a lot there. But the idea of people attempting to make humanity better and it going horribly wrong leads us to another tech story that we should go into. So there there was an update literally right as we started recording. Okay, what is the update? So I assume we're talking about Sam Bakeman Freed and FTX, the crypto exchange that is imploding at the moment? No, no, I meant Jeff Bezos giving away all his fortune. Yeah, no, I sang my Sam Bankman. Okay, cool. <laughs> so FTX put out a statement literally as we started recording today, and the statement is from John Ray, Chief Restructuring Officer and CEO of FTX. That's a title. Regarding Mr. Bankman Freed's recent public statements, it reads, As previously announced, Mr. Bankman Freed resigned on November 11 from FTX, FTX US, Almeida Research Limited, and their directly and indirectly owned subsidiaries. Mr. Bankman-Fried has no ongoing role at FTX, FTX US, or Almeida Research Limited, and does not speak on their behalf. Which is extremely interesting because Sam Bankman-Fried has been tweeting nonstop about getting customers their money back all week. So... Yeah, where do you want to start with this? Do you, you can you can you give everybody's kind of like the broad strokes of where we are at in this at this point? All right. I mean, to begin with, I also I think this is what's wild about this is this story started since we were in Web Summit. Like we I, like this actually story hadn't started after since until we left this month. I think it started Monday last week, really. You and I were in Portugal getting our matching FTX tattoos mm -hmm. to celebrate the amount of money that we had stored in this exchange. And then that's when it, it all kicked off, yeah. Okay, so what happened was FTX, which is a platform run by Sam Bankman-Fried, who is the son of two professors slash big democratic donors slash utilitarians, had this large company, FTX, which had a trading arm called Almeida. What it did, essentially, was guarantee its own liquidity using a token that it issued itself. So it was essentially <laughs> creating its own money and then trading yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, or like imagine if like a casino was like, no, no, we're totally we're totally liquid. We have all of these chips that we made and those represent the money that we don't have. It's okay. Yes, that's almost that's almost exactly it. And then turned out that having gone back and forth, CZ of Binance kind of made a move and I don't it, it's weird because a lot of people who are pro FTX and pro SPF are blaming him, which I think is just unfair because he made a a logical business move that exposed the fact that they were extremely badly leveraged and had right. like way, way more risk than 
he says that they've realized, which I don't know if that's better or worse to take a big dumb risk or not know that you're taking a big dumb risk. So as I understand this, Binance essentially forced FTX's hand. And the theory is that because of all the rumors circulating that FTX had no money, which to continue our metaphor, essentially what they were doing was FTX was taking investors' money like a bank. It was turning that money into chips like a casino. But then it would be as if they took that money and gave it to a bunch of poker players who went to other casinos, which would be Almeida Research. And those poker players lost all their money. But all along, FTX was like, don't worry, we have the chips that we made that represent the money we don't have. And it, the theory is that CZ, the head of Binance, did something in such a way to force them to expose the fact that they had no actual money backing up their token. Yeah, basically on November the 6th, Binance announced that it was going to sell its FTT tokens. So these are the tokens that FTX has issued, which basically make up its, its I don't want to say its capital, it's not quite the right word, uh, but make up the, the, the assets that it says it has. As a result of it selling those, and it's a big, big number of, of stuff that they're selling, the price of those plummets. So it, they go from saying, we have all these tokens, they're worth enough to cover our assets, to we don't have enough tokens because the price is plummet because our major rival owns all of these tokens and at a, at a click of his fingers, he can devalue them enough that we're then out of money. Right. Or we then don't have enough to cover our assets. They scramble back and forth trying to make sure that like withdrawals happen, but it is a lot because... Obviously, CZ tweets this and goes like, hey, we're selling all of our stuff. You probably should too. I mean, he didn't say we, you probably should too. But it, it, that was the implication. So that caused the, basically a run on the bank. Like it, it's, it's a kind of old fashioned, like but we've been doing this for, you know, hundreds of years now, but it was a run on the bank. After that happened, they were running out of money. FTX were like exploring a buyer, trying to find a buyer for it. Binance stepped in to say we we could do this, we could help out. Um, it's also kind of interesting that FTX previously have like stepped in to bail out other cryptocurrency exchanges. Like they have previously done this to other people, not uh, not necessarily trying to take them down, but it is clearly of interest to them that they maintain the sector. Then two days after that, or a day after actually, it was incredibly it was a quick. very short amount of time later. It was I think it was less than a day. Yeah, Binance looked at it and said, actually, you guys are not liquid there is more problems here than we thought we can't buy you but it also made that public which meant that again it just kept the run on the bank going at which point they were just very very out of money like very very quickly and yeah there was one day that he said he'd lost 94 percent of his wealth and the next day he'd lost all of it right so this is this is where things start to get really interesting so he loses 94 percent of his money then he loses all of it Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchin also seem to have lost quite a bit of money on this. Then it comes out that Sam Bankman-Fried and his dad have been detained by the Bahamian police because they're based in the Bahamas. Then it comes out that he is in what is essentially a 10-person polycule with the head of Almeida Research. I, w I will throw some cold water on that in that it seems like people were talking about that, but the more they get into it, I don't think it was a polycule so much as it was a lot of nerds sitting around playing video games and occasionally some of them dated. Yes, Sam Bankman-Fried and Caroline Ellison did date, but I don't think the polycule element of it is is as as exciting as the, the rumors. Well, the, what is confirmed and what is also very strange is that the company had essentially like a therapist who was prescribing medicine, pairing up employees for dates, and was just someone who was like kind of around and then they were like, hey, like, we like your vibe. Like, you want to come like be the therapist for our company? Oh, and then 
finally we start learning more about like what they were technically doing and how they were doing it with the money. And Matt Levine at Bloomberg has a great rundown of how bad the spreadsheet is that was sort of managing all these finances. There's also allegedly a back door that Sam Bankman Fried put in to the system to allow him to just take money out without any oversight. I think it was especially surprising for FTX because there is this real veneer of responsibility that they like to project. It even extended to their Democratic mega donor status. There's this idea that they were the good crypto exchange. And it turns out they were just as bizarre and fucked up as all the rest of them. Yeah, they're just taking really, really bad risks. And and, and there's, there's, it's kind of hard to get past that. But he has a web of companies and those companies are handing money back and forth to each other and taking risks that are unreasonable. I mean, there's a couple of interesting bits here. I think one element is how successfully he was able to brand himself as the good crypto guy. Yeah. Uh, and how successfully he was able to brand himself as someone who was like, beyond the typical tech bro thing like he's got scruffy hair he's got shorts he's got a t-shirt and he's just like yeah no i'm just doing this because like i love the thing not i'm like a, a sociopath which if you look at other people in the crypto space you're like oh yeah no you seem like a crazy person who is trying to destroy everything in order to rule the ashes this didn't seem like this guy no he seemed like the mark zuckerberg of crypto is that positive? Early Mark Zuckerberg of crypto, like the stinky little millennial guy in the hoodie. I I've, I heard a story where he uh, he was on an investor call, Sam Bankman Freed, and was playing League of Legends the whole time. Yeah. And I think it was like Sequoia or some investment firm was like really impressed with how little he cared about what was going on. And it's like, oh, wow, like you're all just fucking insane. Like all of you are a maniacs. Well, I think this also should be something else, which is founder culture. I, I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but like anyone who says I'm a founder, suddenly everyone really cares about them, particularly if you're in like a Sequoia environment. And I think that kind of focus on him as a unique and interesting founder, everyone's like, I love this founder. And it's like, he's just a guy. You don't know anything about him. He's been playing in League of Legends while he talks to you. Like, what do you, what do you, what, do you, what is there that you like here? Yeah. I mean, I would. The, the, the sort of founder worship of Silicon Valley obviously dates back all the way to Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, like, you know, so even before that. But I think the new era of it is that there are thousands of small founders to be worshipped in increasingly niche areas that have little to no oversight. And more and more often, real world money is like extremely tied up in it. I mean, much in the same way that, you know, after Trump, there's just thousands of Trumps all over the world. Like populism tends to breed more and more niche pockets of populism in this kind of really bizarre way. And and I think Sam Bankman Freed, it doesn't seem like he's a good dude uh, or, or like good at his job, but he was very clever. And I, okay, I've kind of had this theory about crypto that I think Sam Bankman Freed proves which is that the success of crypto as quick as it happened is actually less about anything to do with technology and more about selling nostalgia back to an aging investment class. Oh, oh, that's interesting. So I think it's a little bit different to that because I think that's part of it uh, in terms of like how, let's say, uh, FTX gets investment. That's true. But I think the success of crypto is based on selling the ability for young people to get the same returns on their money that their parents did. That's interesting. Yeah, it's really clever because it's like you would go to an investor who's like probably in their late 40s, 50s, who remembers the dot-com boom. And they're like, it's just like the dot-com boom, but we're going to make a lot more money. And they're like, yeah, this is so cool. You look like you look like what I remember hearing Mark Zuckerberg looked like. That sounds cool. I'll give you lots of money for no reason. And then they turn around and they're like, hey, Gen Z, do you want to be like an absolutely degenerate gambler and make a lot of money really fast join my 
three pointed uh, structure, if you will, to make <laughs> a lot of money really fast. And yeah, I think you're exactly right that it's it's about it's about turning nostalgia into aspiration for a, a generation that feels completely failed by everyone older than them. Which I mean, a generation that has been failed, we should point out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's basically the, the the only thing that crypto is really doing a great job of converting is nostalgia into nihilism. <laughs> so this reminds me in the 90s, the late 90s, I got really into 90s rave and like dance culture and I convinced myself guys new alan lore is unlocking right now let's do it <laughs> more and more that it was okay that i was getting further and further into harder and harder drugs in this scene and i became a drum and bass dj and all of this was like even though it was sketchy as hell was okay because it was me doing my <laughs> we should sorry we have to, we have to start putting the law behind the paywall yeah, i think okay like... i think i honestly think with the addition of alan like we're gonna need a wiki now like i think yeah, we yeah, need yeah. a wiki Okay, continue. You became a drum. You became a drum and bass DJ. The point. The point is, is that like, even though I was like fucking up my life, and like uh, I had been an honor student, and then I'm just like staying up all night, going to parties all weekend. I convinced myself it was like right to do that because it was my version of when my father had been a hippie in the '60s counterculture. I convinced myself that rave culture was my generation's version of '60s counterculture, which was a net social good for society. And I like genuinely was sitting there in 1999, watching the sunrise over a go kart track in denver colorado at 5 30 in the morning and being like yes we're gonna change the world man and like i think that that's you're right luke i think that's what crypto is it's these people who have nostalgia for an era of investment that they didn't get to participate in and so the version they're glomming onto is faster darker and much more destructive than the version that they're nostalgic for i think that's exactly right yeah most definitely all right i think guys i think we solved the crypto crisis i have one last thing i want to talk about this week because i'm Dying. I'm, I've been sitting here dying to ask you about this, Luke. Hit me. Why does the UK finance ministry have a Discord now? I mean, why not? <laughs> but, like, uh, can you just, like, what? Like, I feel like some Tories gamer son was like, you should be on Discord. And then they just did it. No, so I actually do get this. Okay, walk me through this. Okay, Twitter is about to explode, we think. Yes. Uh -huh. At some point in the next day to 10 years, it will explode. <laughs> when? We don't know how, we don't know, but it like will. the heat death of the universe, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And if you are a, you can say finance ministry, and it's not that, it's the treasury, but finance ministry is technically correct, which it just really throws me off. It is a finance ministry. It's called the treasury, the, U the HM treasury. Yeah, but it's like saying the chancellor is the finance minister. Like, technically, yes. Isn't that's he? Not... Yes, he is, but that's he's called the chancellor. I'm sorry, I didn't use your made-up wizard term for whatever we're talking about. I'm just trying to simplify it for the Americans. Wait, wait, I just keep waiting for him to say exchequer. Can can you just yeah. can you just <laughs> yeah? He's the chan he, It's the chancellor of the exchequer. Oh, I'm sorry. What is an exchequer? Who knows? It just is the chancellor <laughs> of the exchequer. Oh wow! I'm sorry that I was trying to make things mildly simpler for our American audience. I guess I should have just been like, yeah, the uh, professor of potions at Hogwarts has a Discord <laughs> or whatever the fuck. Yeah. So so walk me through it. So the way that they use Twitter, the way they use social media, is very much broadcast. It is just saying, hey, we have an announcement. Hey, we have a a, a thing that our minister's done. Hey, we have 
a thing that's happening. They don't really care about what people say back to them. They're not a like they're not consumer facing thing. They're not someone you can ring up and be like, "Hi, what happened to my taxes this week?" They're a policy thing, not a customer facing thing. So they don't really need a social media presence at all. If they're gonna have a social media presence, they might as well have it quote unquote controlled. So they're saying Twitter might go. Maybe a useful thing for us to do will we'll be the trial balloon for this, and maybe other um, departments of state will do it here's we'll just put our announcements in this channel if you're interested in hearing announcements you can be there which means it will just be like 90 percent journalists and 10 percent weird finance nerds which like fine that actually is not a crazy thing to do no one can talk it's just a stream of like here's our announcements and genuinely as a journalist it would not be wild to have a discord where just every government service put all their announcements i can see that as a useful thing the problem here <laughs> is that as always the internet has has found a way uh yeah, yeah. Is, trolling do you finds explain what the internet has done yeah so i went in here this morning uh because i was like i actually was kind of like you i was like that's cool i've never seen that before let's check it out uh so when you join the server you enter a welcome room which is set up like very well and i was greeted with a username sunak wife peg vid link link bio which is a reference to rishi sunak the prime minister's wife yeah so that's not ideal and I, it was appearing over and over again in the welcome server, which makes me think that that person was being banned a lot. Yeah. Well, they also did something else, which is that they, they the Treasury did not turn off the ability to reply to posts with emojis. Yes. Um, so which, well, okay. I, I, don't, I thought I thought that people actually used that in a relatively sensible way because they did a bunch of stuff about uh, Jeremy Hunt, who's the current chancellor of the Exchequer. Uh, well, they just like spelled his name out. Um, they got the first letter wrong, weirdly. They had a C instead, but uh, the rest of it was good. Yes, I did notice that they spelled Hunt with a C. Fascinating. And then I did notice that the number one reaction to his announcement was the Irish flag. They have also reacted heavily with the trans flag. Pride flags paid a lot. Right now, it seems like they're spelling out something with O-T-A-U. I don't know what, I don't know what they're trying to spell. But I do think eventually... Given enough time, this community will learn to work together and and kung pao penis the whole server. And I'm very excited to see when that happens. They'd piss in there for a while as a response to a post, which was good. <laughs> They'd piss? That's good. P-I-S-5. P That's really good. I, I, I think, like, I, I agree with you, actually. I think there's a world... I, I don't think it's Discord, because Discord has the same problem that Mastodon has, which is that you have to join into it to see it. And if you think about, like, the, the best social networks for uh, public communications, they're ones that don't require an account to see. So like a Facebook page, you don't really need to sign into Facebook to see a Facebook page. You kind of do at a certain point to use more stuff on Facebook, but pages can be public and they can function without an account. YouTube, you don't need to sign in at all. Uh, and neither does Twitter. Discord, you have to hit an invite link. And I think that that's like the main thing issue there and in mastodon you have to solve riddles from two sphinxes one of whom is lying and one of whom is telling the truth yeah i mean D discord i think is a it's a very good community building service i don't think it's really quite what they're looking for for this but yeah i experiment i don't care how long does it take to set up a discord server a, a minute like fine cancel the server i don't know if we have young people who listen to this show i hope not but on the off chance that we do I want you all, people under the age of 30 listening to this, to really, to really appreciate what's about to start happening. Because you don't get a moment like this all the time where the whole internet's falling apart and there's no rules. And I think all three of us, we met 
during a period like that. You know, the first five years of the Web 2.0 era, it was awesome up until the Trump campaign revealed, you know, the destruction that we had accidentally caused on a global level. But in the beginning, it was super fun. The things that you create now will destroy the world in five years. In a different way. I think you need to be really, really like excited about that. I think you got to be really excited because you're because we're at a moment where it's all exploding and it's really exciting and it's gonna be really funny. And like, it's gonna be a little painful. I mean, our, our five years of chaos is pretty painful too, but the internet isn't like this all the time. And so you got to really embrace it. And I think, you know, that's why I'm calling upon all of our listeners to join the HM Treasury Discord and help me Kung Pao penis uh, Jeremy Hunt. I am not because I'm actually not going to do that as a journalist. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I also want to say I'm joking. I don't want to brigade the HM Treasury's Discord server. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, hey, Luke, have you consumed any content to stay sane this week? I can talk about Black Panther. I can talk about Black Adam, but I did not see Black Adam because I just can't bring myself to spend money to see it. But I did see Black Panther. Uh, Alan, you did not see Black Panther, correct? I have not seen Black Panther. That is correct. Okay, great. This is a very, very, very. This is a great conversation. A very productive conversation, Luke. For people who don't want to pay for our extra episodes, which you can get over at thecontentminds.com, what would you rate Black Panther out of five? Uh, uh, I would give it 3.5 out of 5. Yep, me too. It was a collection of sounds and images. Some of them were better than others. And yeah, I enjoyed it. But it was... Uh, it, had a, it had a lot to live up to. There's some interesting stuff to talk about here, particularly Namor or Namor, uh, who is, I think now, maybe my favorite character in the MCU. I, I, I love him. Did you, did you see the thing going around today about how they had uh, CGI down the size of his penis? Good. I think they should CGI Namor's penis to be grotesquely big. Because as I was saying before the show started... No, they made it smaller. But I know, but Namor has two main characteristics. He is uh, a guy who lives underwater, and he's a guy who really wants to fuck your wife. Those are like his main two deals. He has has wings on his feet. So yeah, there is some interesting stuff to talk about with this movie, but I agree with you that it was like solidly middle of the road. It was fine. It was better than some of the Phase 4 movies, but not as good as some of the phase four tv shows are we going behind the wall to talk about this in depth now yeah let's do it all right we're going behind the wall you can listen to that at thecontentminds.com thank you very much to alan our producer for producing the lovely soundscapes that are currently hitting your ear holes thank you very much for those of you who came to our live show in london it was a blast it was great and it didn't smell as bad as last year's which i thought was great i want to i want to congratulate everyone for wearing deodorant this time also, it was not next to a bathroom that was overflowing, which was true of last year. We actually, in fact, we had two bathrooms. We this had time. two bathrooms this year. So next year, they were either side of the stage, which I did find odd. I thought that was super funny. Yeah, but I, th- next year, I'm hoping we can have four or maybe even five bathrooms, uh, and and eventually we'll just be doing this in a bathroom. And also, thank you guys for dealing with uh, two weeks of. Uh, on the road recording it was very fun and not annoying to be in the same room with luke to record two episodes sure goodbye everybody see you next week bye bye goodbye